scepter, the father of the nation Israel and the one whom God promised to build nations from him and all nations of the earth will be blessed because of him. What did Abraham, in verse 1 it talked about, we already talked about this, just kind of re review. Uh, what did Abraham find in all the promises given to him? He found nothing in himself. And that's what Paul proves from uh, Romans chapter 1 all the way through uh, chapter 3. He's talking about there's nothing good in man. We're all sinful. We all fall short of the glory of God in our flesh. Paul has already covered this ground that no flesh is justified before God. We're all condemned before God. If he has something, if any man had something that he could bring to the table with God, then he'd have something to boast about. But the scripture says he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. It was an imputed righteousness, imputed to his account, given to his account, accredited to his account. So let's read this passage once again, Romans chapter 4, and I'll begin reading in verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh have found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him, unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is, is the resort not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth, the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you revealed yourself in your word. And Father, we thank you that you've given us minds and you've given us your spirit that we can comprehend your word. And Father, we ask that you'd help us now as we look at your word today, that you'd open our minds and hearts to it. And Father, help us to get the meaning that you put forth in your word. And Father, we just thank you and we praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So last time when we began this chapter, we started talking about uh, Abraham. We started talking about that he had nothing to bring to the table in his own flesh. Um, and we ended that section, and I told you I was when we got back to it again, we're going to talk about faith. What is faith? What is saving faith? What is it? Well, saving faith, it, it, we reviewed, we talked about this before, that faith 
is not something, it's not currency that we bring to God. It's not something that we can give God a piece of and he's obligated to do something for us. Faith is simply the conduit that God uses to bring salvation. It's just the way that God conveys salvation is through faith. And what are, we are talking about saving faith. What is faith? Faith is not a blind leap into nothing. Faith is based on facts. Faith has substance. That's what uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us. That So then faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. There's substance to faith. There's evidence of faith. And, and I was, as I was thinking about that this week, if we have something, for example, I just got a new car out there. You know, you think about getting a new car, there's several ways you can get a new car. You can go out and buy it. There's one way to get it. You can, it can be given to you, or you can steal it. You know, those are, those are all ways someone can get a car. Or you can make it. Or you can make one. I mean, we can get our two-by-fours out, right, and make us a nice Flintstone car. Be pedal foot power. So there's a number of ways you can get something. But the point is with faith, where do you get it? What is it? And that's what I hope to talk about today. I hope to clear that up today. Faith. Faith is based upon facts. What are the facts of saving faith? The facts of saving faith is the gospel message. Turn over in your Bible to 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll look at what the gospel is. I think uh, someone sent out on the, the global text for men a couple verses this week that had the gospel in it. I think they were from Psalms. But today we want to look at, uh, and there's just countless number of verses we could pull out of Scripture that talks about what salvation is, what is the gospel. But uh, we'll look at 1 Corinthians 15, and I'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein you stand, by which you also are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James and all the apostles. And, at, and last of all, 
he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach. And so ye also believed. Paul begins this section there. He, he gives us three actions about the gospel. The, the gospel in verse 1 there, he did, the gospel is declared to you. The gospel must be received by you. And you must stand or continue in the gospel. Someone must declare the gospel to you. You must hear the gospel message before you can receive salvation. The word declare means to make known or to cause something to be known. You have to hear the gospel first before you can believe on it. The gospel must be made known to you by preaching. Someone has to preach to you the gospel. And preaching just merely means telling somebody the gospel. It's just using words to convey the gospel to someone else. The gospel message is from an authoritative source. God is the, the beginning of the gospel message. That's what it tells us in the very first verse of Romans chapter 1. It says the gospel started with God. It didn't start with us. We would have never dreamed up this plan. Every plan that we would have dreamed up would have been a plan of works. We would have worked out our own salvation. We can't. We can't bring anything to the table that merits anything from God. Because God is holy. He's righteous. He's just. Then Paul goes on and says, you must receive the gospel. You hear the message and you must receive it. Don't miss that. I'm stealing a, a phrase from my brother Eric. Don't miss that. You must receive the gospel. You must hear it. Then he, then he goes on to say, you must stand in the gospel. Don't miss that either. You must stand in the gospel. The word stand means hold one's ground. It means to maintain a position. You stay in the gospel. The gospel is solid ground. And it's a vital place where we can make a stand in the gospel. The gospel that is something that's worth holding on to. You are saved by these three things. The gospel must be declared to you, you must receive it, and you must stand in it. 
You must receive the gospel. You must stand in the gospel. Paul next explains, expands on these three concepts. In verse 3, he says the facts, he gives us the facts of the gospel. And these are the facts that the gospel is based upon. First, in verse 3, he says, the things, uh, these, the three things that Paul just said are the three things that happened to him and declared, received, and stand. Fact one, Christ died for our sins. Jesus took the penalty of our sin upon himself. The perfect man took sin of imperfect man upon himself. Jesus absorbed the eternal wrath that we deserved for our sin. He took it upon his body, in his body. He paid the debt that we could never pay. As we saw this morning in Family Connect, the unjust servant who had a debt that he could never pay. Well, was it 200,000 years it would take him to pay back his debt? In other words, he couldn't pay it back. Even if he was smart like Bill Gates, clever, he could not pay it back. Jesus had died according to the scriptures. Jesus' death for sin was not a reaction to sin, but it was a plan for sin before the foundation of the world. Doug told us when he went through the book of Genesis that God doesn't react. He plans, and his plans come to pass. Fact number two in verse four, Jesus was buried. Jesus died and he was buried. You don't bury live people. I heard a preacher say one time that if you see somebody walking in front of your house in Rome with a cross, he wasn't coming back. He was going to that cross to die. And that's what Jesus did. He died on that cross. Jewish leaders recognized that he was dead and they got his body off the cross. They went to Pilate and asked him for the, the body of Jesus off the cross and Pilate marveled that he was dead so quickly. And he sent a soldier over there and said, is he really dead? And that soldier came back and said that he was dead. That's right. He was dead. He wasn't just sleeping. He was completely dead. The Jewish leaders that took his body certified that he was dead. Pilate certified that he is dead. The Roman soldiers certified that he died. Then those Roman soldiers put him in that, they sealed up that tomb after the Jewish leaders put him in there. And they put the Roman seal on it so the Roman government certified that Jesus was dead. And they put guards over that tomb to guard it so the disciples wouldn't come steal his body away. He was dead. Fact number three. Jesus rose on the third day according to the scriptures. 
The seal on the tomb was broken on the third day. An angel of the Lord rolled away the stone that blocked the entrance. The soldiers were powerless to do anything to prevent it. They just laid on the ground like dead men. All the soldiers were witness to an empty tomb. That angel came down. That angel didn't raise Jesus from the dead. That angel just opened the tomb up to prove that it was empty. And then there were other witnesses Paul tells us about who witnesses Jesus' resurrection. Cephas, whose surname was Peter. Peter was the one that said, Lord, I'll die for you. And not just a few hours later, he denied even knowing Jesus. Just as the scripture said. Then he goes on and said that uh, the twelve saw him alive. Then he says that more than 500 people saw Jesus alive. Then Paul lastly says that he saw him alive. And you remember that story. He was, he was persecuting the church and he was on the road to Damascus and Jesus come down in a bright light and struck him down and said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? You recognize he is Lord. I am Jesus whom you persecute. So Paul saw him last of all. Then uh, he says in verse 7 that James saw him alive. James is, was the uh, brother of John, the apostle. They were both apostles. He saw him alive. And I believe that James was the first apostle that was killed for believing, for proclaiming that Jesus was alive. How many people that do you know will, will just go to their death believing, proclaiming alive? Not very many. And certainly not 500. So Jesus rose again. And last of all, Paul saw him alive. It was the grace that God bestowed on him that caused him to believe the resurrection. That's what Paul says in verse 10. Verse 11, he says, Because of that, Paul preached, or someone else preached, and so they believed. These are the facts of the gospel. Jesus lived died, was buried, and rose again the third day. The facts of the gospel must be accepted. No one can say that they are a Christian and reject that Jesus lived, died, and was buried, and rose again. You can't be a Christian if you reject those things. So it must be accepted. The facts of the gospel must be internalized. Not only do you have to accept the facts 
but they must, you must internalize them. The internalization of the gospel is where your life is changed by the gospel. You make Jesus the Lord of your life. Internalization is where you strive daily to be more like Christ. You want to put off the old you and embrace the new, your new life in Christ. You must trust the facts. You must know the facts, you must accept the facts, you must internalize the facts, and you must trust those facts. The facts of the gospel becomes your lifestyle. You trust them so much. You model your life after the gospel and living for Christ. Each day you become more like Christ. And then last of all, in our little acrostic we got going here is hope. The last part of the acrostic is hope. The fact of the gospel are hope to the believer. The acrostic is faith. I'm going to tell you that. Yeah. Are the facts. A, you must accept the facts. I, you must internalize the facts. T, you must trust the facts. And H, is our hope. The facts of the gospel are the hope of the believer. It is a hope that is secure and is certain. It's still 17 minutes till 7, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hebrews 11. Uh, in Hebrews 11, we're going back to Abraham. And it talks about Abraham's faith. Hebrews 11. Verse... Uh, 8 through 10 says this, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in a land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. This is, our hope. this is the hope of every believer. Every believer raises their, their hope is lifted from attaining great anything in this world but attaining Christ. Attaining that city that Abraham looked forward to in heaven. The hope of every believer is to spend eternity with Christ in heaven. It's our hope. We are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. How do you get, how do you get it? How do we get this faith? 
look at Romans 4.3 for a moment. Um, and I'm fixing to give you all some homework. Um, we're not going to make it through that section. So we'll get it next week. All right, Romans 4.3 says this. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Notice that word there, counted. The word counted is a word that causes action. You remember weeks ago when we began chapter 4, I said that the faith of Abraham was that it caused action with him. God said go, and he went. So this, this faith we're talking about causes action. So this is your homework for the week. Paul has set up a couple relationships for us in this chapter so far. The first relationship he set up is in verses 1 and 4. And that relationship is between gift and wage. You know, the gift or earning a wage. Is it given to you or you're earning it? Is it given to you or are you earning it? Just like the illustration that about the car, you can go build one yourself or you can buy it or you can steal it. Or it can be given to you. So that's that relationship that Paul set up. And another relationship he set up is in verses 3 and 5. He set this relationship up in that salvation and faith. That's the relationship between those two. And that relationship raises a very important question, and that's merit. Merit. And that question is, how can a holy and righteous God justify those who are unholy and unrighteous? We'll try to answer that next week. But if you're here today, ask yourself these questions. Have you heard the facts of the gospel? Have you heard the facts of the gospel? I heard the, the gospel message probably a thousand times before I heard it for the first time. Have you heard the facts of the gospel? Have you accepted and internalized the facts of the gospel? Have you trusted the facts of the gospel? Is the gospel your hope? Have you heard the gospel for the first time today? If you have, you can do business with God right where you are. Just turn to Him in repentance and faith. So let's stand and, and we will sing our last song. Father, again, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you and we worship you. For this great salvation that you offer freely to all who believe. Father, we just thank you for that and praise you.
And Father, we ask that you just help us now. If there's one here that hears the gospel preached today, Father, we ask that you would save them. You call them. Wherever the gospel is preached today, we ask that you'd save many people. Not for our sakes, but for Jesus' sake. For your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God on the mountain. Life is